Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. We've got Colin Brister on the pod today to talk some MLB draft stuff, Ole Miss's transfer portal class, and uh, just some baseball talk as a whole as the MLB draft gets underway on Sunday. Who to keep an eye on from an Ole Miss signing class as well as a currently on the roster or was on the roster last year standpoint and uh, how this upcoming draft will reshape what we think of this team potentially by next February. So buckle up. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. Before we get to that, though, wanted to remind you that we have a brand new sponsor to welcome to the Rippy Rights family. This podcast is now brought to you by. Spire really appreciate them joining the Rippy Rights family. Happy to have their partnership. The way businesses collaborate is changing. Seaspire Voice and WebEx give your organization the tools to stay ahead. Call, meet, and message on any device, anywhere from one secure cloud-based platform. The past few years have shown just how vital remote work is for businesses of all sizes. But if you want to protect your organization from cyber threats, that's why Seaspire Voice with WebEx has enterprise-grade security built from the ground up. So you can enhance your how your teams work together in and out of the office, all with reliability, availability, and scalability that traditional business phone systems just can't offer. I use CSpire. You should too. Learn more about what CSpire Voice and WebEx can do for your organization at cspire.com/business. CSpire, customer inspired. Welcome aboard. Happy to have them along. Podcast is also brought to you by Rent the Sip Oxford. Good friend of the pod, basketball correspondent Bracken Ray has a rental property at Turnberry available for use throughout the year. Still got some football game weekends open. The Mercer, Vandy, and ULM ULM football weekends are still available for rent. You know how it gets during big weekends. It can be hard to find a place to, to find a place to stay at an affordable rate. Bracken Ray's got you covered. It's a it's a unit at Turnberry off Old Taylor Road. It will sleep eight comfortably. It's gated. It has a pool, a sauna, tennis courts. Great for games, orientation, rush, parents weekend, or if you're just stopping by, you want to make a night or two trip to Oxford, you don't feel like dealing with the hotel, Rent the Sip Oxford has you covered with this Turnberry unit. Go to rentthesipoxford.com to check availabilities. You can also email Bracken, B-R-A-C-K-E-N, at rentthesipoxford.com for any questions. Go ahead and book your stay now. If you go online and use the promo code RippyWrites, that'll get you 100 bucks off any stay that's a two-night minimum. So you're getting a steal of a deal already with this great place, great location. It's less than a mile from campus, a straight shot to Swayze Field, basically a straight shot to Vaught-Hemingway Stadium and a grove just behind that. You need to check it out today if you're looking for a place to stay in Oxford any time of the year, but it also on big game weekends when the space becomes a little more scarce. You need to check them out, rentthesipoxford.com. You won't regret renting this Turnberry unit Trustworthy people, great place to stay. RentTheSipOxford.com. Go book it today and use that promo code and get 100 bucks off. Check them out. Again, RentTheSipOxford.com. All right, here is Colin Brister. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister, awaking him one more time from his uh, off-season slumber as the uh, MLB draft is, what, th- this Sunday? Yeah, a little over a week away or under – excuse me, a little under a week away, a few days away here as we record this on a Wednesday evening. Uh, what's up, my man? How are we doing? You enjoying school being out? Uh, yeah, but so, so like, just a quick uh, glimpse and, like, the coaches' uh, 
life in, in high school, summer doesn't really begin until July because you're pretty much up there doing stuff um, Monday through Friday in June. Um, and then we, we give our kids the month of July off to kind of recover. So summer really just started for me. So kind of enjoying that. Got to I actually sat at the house yesterday and uh, did nothing. And it was quite enjoyable. That's uh, that is quite enjoyable, particularly as you uh, maybe as a sign that we're getting older. It's just like I'm actually cool with doing absolutely nothing because I think the opportunity to do such gets rarer and rarer, rarer as you're older as well. Um. On like holidays and stuff like this, I'm not big into making huge, gigantic plans either. We went and uh, met a couple of friends of ours and sat by the pool for a little bit. Then went to another friend's house and ate. And I think we were back home by 730. See, <laughs> I'm always winding I'm, it down I'm for the lucky. evening. I'm lucky. My mom's birthday is on the 4th. So I just get okay. to, I've always just got to celebrate my mom's birthday instead of having to go and do things on the 4th, which, you know, some people might call me a loser for not wanting to do things on the 4th, but, um, I'm, 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 I'm a touch of an introvert. So, um, yeah, that was, that was nice. I, I asked my friend this the other day, it's like, you know, we used to go to the library on Thursday night before, you know, Miss played Alabama or whatever. It's like, how much cash would you have to be given to go to the library before Ole Miss played LSU on a Friday night this year? It's uh, like at least 500 bucks. Pay me. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> maybe, if they're like, look, you can hit a little daytime happy hour, but if you're talking peak night, oh, yeah, I'm talking at 10 o'clock, not possible. Couldn't do it. <laughs> not, I mean, someone could offer me a suitcase of like 80 K and they'd be like, you gotta go for two hours. I'd be like, I'm actually, I'm, I'm good. You can, you can give that to somebody else. Just I would need, I would need a bar stool, permanent bar stool. And I would need someone taking my drink order, like whenever I wanted. So, um, which obviously is going to be impossible. It's just funny how, you know, seven years ago, it's like, yeah, we'll go to the library on Friday before Ole Miss plays LSU. And it's like, now I won't take $2,000 to do that. Uh, though, the way I, I recently went, now it's summer here, obviously, yeah. not very many people in town, it still gets pretty crowded. Uh, I went from a new vantage point the other weekend. Uh, I did the VIP section. My buddy Portner came Ooh. in town. So I think the key is just to do business with like rich and famous folks, had some potential clients. Uh, come up so he got some vip wristbands that's nice got your own bar up there your own bathroom you can actually walk around uh if that option's available hell i'll do it for free but uh, outside of that you're not catching me there and then we already is we used to pay to go in there we used to pay exorbitant amounts for the yes. right to stand in a crowd i think i've been in the vip once but it was I, I don't know if it was actually operating that night i don't know how that worked um, but yeah, that, that does, that does sound nice. That does sound nice. That must've been where AK and Shep used to go and they went hang out in Oxford. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually chatting up one of the bartenders up there and it's almost like a little makeshift bar. And I was like, so you see some like heavy hitters roll through here. He's like, yeah, I've seen a few famous people here through the years. I was like, that's pretty cool. So yeah, that that's where, <laughs> that's where the heavier hitters hang out. I would say. Oh, me. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, uh, are you a firework guy? That was probably no, going to be my last no, question. No, no, I'm not. I'm not against the people that do them, uh, but I uh, live with a 70 pound great Pyrenees dog uh, that hates them beyond words. So, uh, no, not a firework guy. Uh, not not against people that do them, but uh, we go and hang out in my room, and I put his little uh, uh, headphones on so he doesn't try to you know run through the wall. Hold on, that dog's not a lab. <sighs> okay, so. It's this is a little bit of a long story. Um, I got the dog off Craigslist. Okay. Um, okay. so I was told, I was told, um, the dog was 75% good, 
golden retriever. Okay. 25, okay. 25% poodle. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, the that dog sounds is, like a golden doodle. Yeah, that's what I thought. But um, that dog is has zero poodle in him. Um, none. I think he is a mix between a great Pyrenese and a golden retriever. Um, I think. I'm going to get him tested. I said He's lab, not, by he the has, way. I meant golden retriever. Yeah, I I thought he was – no, he's not fully golden retriever. He's got, like, dew claws and – yeah. Um, so, so my, my guy is not – he's not a firework fan. I will say growing up, I don't know if, if you grew up, like, you know, neighbors had dogs or y'all shot fireworks together or anything. Our neighbor used to have a dog, and um, not I, but some of my other neighbors would shoot Roman candles at the dog, not out of me. Oh, that's brutal. The, hold on. The dog wanted to go and chase them. Yeah, but it doesn't like the, it, see something shiny. It's a dog. I know, I know. It was awful. They, they would shoot them in the lake, and his name was Ace. And poor Ace goes and runs through the lake trying to catch the Roman candles. It's like Jesus Christ. Oh, well, that's a little uh, more palatable. Dog. I thought you meant like, let's see if we can uh, wound this dog. No, 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 no. We're not trying to burn the dog. Oh, off. okay. Never mind. I get what you're saying now. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> like, if Peter's listening, you're done. Tito was listening. Uh, I'd be done. Uh, yeah, no doubt. But uh, um, so yeah, no, not 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 big fireworks guys. Are you? I uh, so I I would say I'm pretty neutral on it now. I had a young phase where uh, a youngster, uh, Brian Rippey, was a I would say borderline pyromaniac. Um, okay, I can we see that. We weren't also the smartest kids growing up. We'd shoot a lot of the fireworks at each other. Um, I think the statute of limitations is up now, potentially somewhat accidentally at a car. Um, just being, I would say, junior high to late elementary school shitheads. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I did exactly. I say that, like, you know, just boys being boys. No, we were just idiots. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying it's oh. common or great. But anyway, part of me for a little while was a borderline pyromaniac. No, I like fireworks. Like, I, I think it brings out the inner kid in me to go to, like, the fireworks stand and kind of go look at the stuff. But I'm, I don't make it a point to do it. Like, we didn't buy any this year, and if I don't for the next five years, it will not change anything about how I view fireworks or what we do on the 4th of July. But, like, if I'm in a group and they're like, I want to go get some fireworks, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm in because I kind of enjoy it. Okay. Yeah, yeah so, certainly fair. Um, did y'all ever have the uh, idiot that that uh, put a bottle rocket in their mouth and acted like they were going to smoke it? Because I've heard of idiots doing that before. Uh, try another hole. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should not go there. I will just say, was not me, was not me, but I have seen the mouth as well as the uh, the anus. I did see a buddy of mine All right. out of his Is butt. that, you know, obviously I don't want you to ideal the, uh, or identify this person. Is this person a well-functioning member of society now? Because I assume they're an adult, obviously. Is this person, like, well-off in society? He's actually turned out okay. Um, okay. I don't know if he's got some scarring down there or what. Um, but yeah, that's a motivation like, for people. Well, that's kind of like, for whatever reason, with my friend group, I look at about 90% of them. I'm like, damn, like how, I, how did this turn out from what I knew when I met them? Like, how are they normal function members of uh, society? I, I have that thought a lot. And so I probably should be less surprised, but, uh, yeah, this kid's turned out. Okay. Um, you know, I would say that day would not go in his top five highlights. If you're just trying to bet, here's what I'm about. 
how how hurt how hurt were we uh that day no not hurt thought it was awesome just a little little ass burn from uh the okay. shooting out but no no uh okay. no injuries okay well um that's solid that's that's solid um wow what a, yeah. what a walk down memory lane yeah i know we have another story uh about a I'll tell it another day about a potentially lighter fluid and a squirt gun and a hospital trip to a burn clinic. Um, but I'll, uh, oh I will not incriminate God. myself uh, at that point. That was, uh, that was quite the wild time. I think that was like eighth grade, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll move on for now. The, uh, what we did want to cover, um, there's no great transition from shooting fireworks out of your butt into the MLB draft. So I'm not even going to pretend to try, but the MLB draft is coming up here in a couple of days. We'll get into a little bit of the old Miss stuff from, in here in a second, but my first takeaway was I've read a lot of, uh, I did a couple, read a couple of different mock drafts kind of prepping for this, but particularly read a lot of, uh, Kyle McDaniel who works at ESPN. Now I think he's a pretty smart guy. I think he does a pretty good job. Um, but I noticed in his first like mock draft 1.0, which is not one he did like the day after the 2022 draft, this happened on May 30th of this year was published, or at least it appears that way. And he had schemes going fifth to like Oakland or something. And mm -hmm. even on his like best fits uh, article he did a couple of days ago, it was like cruiser schemes or uh, Langford. Uh, he tried to do the same thing with the nationals at number two, but then he said sources say that the, their entire board is cruiser schemes. And I was like, well, that sounds like a little more prudent thinking. What am I missing here? Why would you overcomplicate this? Why would you not take a major league ready pitcher uh, number one or Whenever you have the pick, if he's there, why would that not be a no-brainer? So, so who does he have? One does he have Max Clark? One. So I couldn't find his latest, uh, his latest mock draft. All I right. could only find the best fits. But his 2023 mock draft 1.0, I believe he had the high school kid out of Tennessee. So the rumor is, um, I don't know if necessarily a rumor, but it's it's out there. Um, Dylan Cruz does not want to go to the Pirates for whatever reason. I don't Max obviously Clark, have, by the way, is who he had going. Max to Clark, the uh, TikTok superstar. Um, oh, is that who that kid is? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah, he. I'm shocked that kid's not committed to Tennessee. Anyways, um, so the rumor is Dylan Cruz doesn't want to go to the Pirates. I don't know why you wouldn't take Skeens if that was the case because I've watched Paul Skeens pitch and he is very good. Um, but supposedly the Pirates did this a couple of years ago with Henry Davis. Um, they want to save money in that one spot, and Paul Skeens is going to uh, demand an inordinate amount of money, and the Pirates are going to, you know, if they take him, obviously they're going to have to pay their number one pick. You're not going to lose that slot money. So the, uh, the, the thought is that they're going to take, you know, a high school uh, bat, not give as much money, um, and that way they're able – to sign more players in the draft rather than just um, allocate all of their slot money for the number one pick to the number one pick, if that makes sense. Um, I think anybody that doesn't take Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens, or Wyatt Langford number one is a stupid head, but that's just my opinion. So what you're saying does make sense. Do you agree with that strategy? No, I would, I would take Dylan Cruz number one. Um, and, and I like Langford and obviously I love Skeens. Um, and I'm not, no, neither of those picks would be wrong, but I, I think, uh, excuse me, I think Cruz is a generational player. Um, he is, he is going to be special. Man, he hit like people talk about what he hit, the over 400 and all of that. 
he got on base every single game this year. Um, he has he has he is in a remarkably tough out, um, and he doesn't chase, and and that's one of the biggest indicators of MLB success. He he will be. I'll say this: unless he just goes to a team that is um, content and losing for a little while, um, he will be in the major league next year in two thousand and twenty four. I, I I maybe I'm off a year, but I really would not be shocked if he is called up in July. Uh, August, September of 2024 at the earliest, or excuse me, at the latest, he will be up in 2025. Uh, that, that, that kid to me is, is the most surefire of, of this group. I, uh, I think the way you described him was very, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about just what a tough out he is. It's like shocker. The number two overall picks a tough out, but you're exactly right. I don't know what's more impressive the way that he got on base and didn't chase or the fact that he hit 400, the way he was pitched to. Like, I, yeah. I don't know which one's more impressive, but among, you know, I've been watching college baseball pretty closely for a while and, you know, whatever you want to call it, covering it since 2015. And I've seen some pretty good players come through over the years. He did look like the most surefire hitter position player I think I've maybe ever seen. He really was just like, how in God's name do you ever get this guy out? Um doesn't chase, doesn't swing at bad pitches, doesn't seem like he had any flaws, and plays a pretty good center field. I mean, it's just – it's kind of remarkable to watch him. And then it's crazy that his teammate, Paul Skeens, turned into what he turned into and the fact that they were just on the same team. And so I guess I'll – this is what I was going to ask you next. Why do you value Cruz over Skeens? And I'm not – I don't know. I would probably just myself lean Skeens because particularly if I'm the Pirates and I'm kind of in this sucker – in this kind of mediocre NL central. And it's like, if we somehow continue to win, like, can't we bring that dude up in like late August, September, and he becomes a rotation yeah. guy that might actually work. Why do you value yeah. Cruz over Skeens? Um, so if I'm the pirates, I, I look at it. It's twofold for me. Okay. Um, first off, you, you mentioned the standings. There's six and a half back as we record today. Um, the likelihood that, that you win that division. Uh, I don't, think is overly high certainly possible um but i don't i don't think it's overly high and two quite frankly if the pirates make the playoffs they're not going to do anything in the playoffs um so i don't if i'm them the the, the ability to have paul Skeens pitch in the postseason for me does not factor into this decision um and i quite frankly can't tell you why i take Cruz over Skeens. i just i just here's what i know when you watch a guy hit and you don't know how to get him out. Like, uh, and that's what was continuously told to me by people. It's like, I don't know how you get this guy out. Like, I don't, I don't know what you do. I just think that that with his, with his ability to assess the strike zone is, is leads him um, to being a, a very, very, very good all-star type player, MLB player. And frankly, it, it, it this point, uh, you know, Paul Skeens is very, very good, obviously. He's one of the best college pitchers I've ever seen. But, man, there's a lot of people. I know this sounds crazy. There's a lot of people in the major leagues that throw 98, 99 miles an hour. Um, I, and, obviously, he's going to be very good in the major leagues. I just – there's I think there's the possibility exists that there are more Paul Skeens in the major leagues than there are Dylan Cruz's. Um, if that makes sense, I, I, I just think that there, that Dylan Cruz's skill set is more of a rarity than Paul Keynes's. Yeah, I think that was a terrific answer. And that's probably what I thought you would say to some degree when I asked you the question, but that makes total sense, particularly with the way baseball is trending, where it's like, you know, I was listening to a podcast 
or maybe it was just a video clip the other day and it was uh Todd Frazier and he was talking about how when he first like made his debut with Cincinnati he was like man I think the average velo is like 92 93 and if you yeah. 95 you're bumping some cheddar and he's like now I'm looking at this stuff and I'm like I don't know what we do with the sport in a couple years if this continues to trend I, that way that's you a genuine concern a yeah I mean it's what happens when the regular is 102 I mean, we saw Chase Burns in the Super Regional. Just he's never hit a hundred before. Throw a hundred and two. Like what? What happens when this becomes regular? Yeah, like man, I've been, look. I, I I've only seen. I saw ninety five once. Um, David go forth, and and I say saw it. Um, you know, I was the eighth grader, scared to death. I didn't see much. Um, but you know, the the I am told that once it gets above about ninety five, ninety six, all you really see is a blur. What happens when it's 101 and it's pretty much every day? Um, you know, but I, I say that, and I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth, uh, the velo has continued to go up in college baseball, and the offense had no issues this year. So I don't know. I, I, I do wonder if there's a plateau at some point with pitcher's velocity. Like, I, I think – I don't think the game's going to be in a healthy spot if everybody in, in 15 years is throwing 101 to 103. I don't, I don't think that's going to be healthy. So um, I think the next five years from from a velo standpoint are going to be interesting to follow because if we get to that point, I think you're going to be forced to make a change as far as, you know, what you do to give hitters more reaction time. And it had been all happened pretty fast. Like we got to where we are now yeah. pretty quickly. Like I don't remember this being a thing, a conversation, you know, eight to ten years ago. It seemed like in the last half decade, maybe a little bit longer that that's kind of where we're at. But to your point about skeins, just with the way that whole thing is trending with baseball, you're right. As terrific as Skeens is and is definitely the best college pitcher I've ever seen, there are probably more Skeens out there than there are Dylan Cruz. And with the Cruz aspect of it, too, I mean, I don't even know how to accurately describe this. I guess I would say how many top draft picks that are hitters and position players that never get to the bigs because for whatever reason, when you got to professional baseball, they just couldn't hit enough. Um like you see yeah. that happen time and time again, and that's about as safe as bet uh, as anyone that that's not going to happen. Like you just said, when you don't know how to get a guy out, that to me is a lot rarer than a very, very good pitcher who will probably have a long career as a starter that throws 98 to 100 because everyone else is doing it now too. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's That's the thing. It's like I don't, I'd like to know, and, and I'm sure this is easily Googleable, but I, I'm not going to do it. Um, right now, I guess I'll do it later. I, I just kind of want to know what the average fastball velocity in major league is right now. Um, it feels like it's like 93 or 94. Um, and you know, it, it's for, to bring it back to the college realm. How many, how many Sam Smiths exist in college baseball nowadays? You know what I mean? Like the Sunday guy that's 87 to 89 and you got to throw a slider to his glove or excuse me, you got to throw his fastball to his glove side consistently and throw a slider for strikes. And it's not going to be overwhelming stuff. But it's just going to be consistent. He's going to have a decent changeup. Like that guy doesn't exist even on Sundays anymore. Like Sundays nowadays it, around the SEC is the talented freshman that's ninety three to ninety six with high spin and a good slider, and you're just yeah. trying to see. You're just trying to get him some action. Like you don't have the 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 Sam Smith or the Scott Weathersby really anymore. You just have the dude that that's got overly talented uh, or an overly talented skill set. Uh, that's trying to work work it out in, in in college basketball because man if you don't if and it, it's it's I don't like this but if you don't you're not going to see many guys that don't throw 90 miles an hour in the SEC anymore um, on a regular basis I, I I just 
it's kind of just where the game has gotten. It kind of eliminates like your specialist too. I'll never forget when I was covering the Reds, they had a guy, and I want to say he he was only up with the big club for less than 20 games. He's a pitcher. His name's Kyle Crockett. They called him a loogie. Yeah. He's a lefty specialist. And he was a dude that had somehow made it about, despite not being a very high draft pick, about three or four seasons in Cleveland. I want to say he got released or DFA'd. I can't remember what happened in Cleveland. The Reds picked him up. And he was like a lefty specialist that threw low 90s with kind of a little bit of like a flipper-like type breaking ball thing. And, like, I wanted to go get a picture with him because I'm like, I think these things are extinct. It looked like I just, like, stumbled upon some rare animal. Like, guys like that are becoming more and more rare. Hell, as I watch more Reds games on a nightly basis now, they brought in some guy, Mills was his last name, and he was a low velo guy that kind of tried to nibble and stuff. And uh, he got DFA'd the next day after I watched the outing. So, <laughs> so like, that type of thing is just becoming almost non-existent. I think you're exactly right. And I think that's probably what makes Cruz a little bit more of a unicorn than Paul Skeens. And uh, last thing on this, for I want to hit a couple other topics. I watched a hilarious uh, video two days ago. So did you see that little, like, news nugget or that little clip from the College World Series final where, like, the broadcast said that Skeens walks around the clubhouse? Yeah, so you, so you, you, you. you saw the blow so thing. Where yeah, he that is to so <laughs> freaking funny because my reaction was just like everyone else i was like you know they're saying this like what a tenacious tenacious competitor this guy is i was like like, that was like a douche and then (laughs) the fact that it was a prank to make him look like a douche is even more funny that is some brilliant trolling well so so that was hilarious so i don't know if you've seen the i saw an interview with trey morgan um the other day he screwed up the bunt call where he got an out it wasn't supposed to be him, but but he he got the signs wrong, and Skeens was actually the one that was supposed to cover the right side on a bunt. They were gonna, if the guy got it down to the right side, they were just gonna give the run up. But uh, Morgan misread the signs and crashed on his own and made the play at home plate. So they essentially beat Wake Forest in that game because Trey Morgan got the signs wrong. Wow, that's an incredible <laughs> story. <laughs> That was just a fun uh, finish to a fun year. But I just thought, and for those out there listening, I guess I should give full disclosure in case you haven't seen the clip. There was a, the broadcast, which we can get into this topic another day. The fact that they don't let Tom Hartz of the world and them call the College World Series um, and just flying Carl Ravitch. Yeah, what do you think get, that is? Why do I think I'm that cool is? With, yeah, I'm cool with Monica. I like Monica. But, like, what are we why, – why is, why is Tom Hart not calling the College World Series? No clue. I have no idea why they feel the need to bring Carl Ravitch in there. I, Carl Ravitch must have some photos on someone because he seems to get kind of do whatever he wants. I get he's at being at ESPN a long time. They gave his son a gig. They let him come on during a broadcast, an Ole Miss baseball game broadcast, and talk about, hey, check it out. Just two guys working at ESPN. Just what are the odds of that? It's like, hmm, I can tell you probably pretty good. I don't know, but I would prefer uh, having the guys that cover and watch the sport all year. Um do it. And like, I don't even think Eduardo Perez is a bad announcer, but do you really think that guy watches a bunch of college baseball? No. Isn't that what you want in a broadcast booth? Like Kyle Peterson's great. Ben McDonald's great. I don't have yep. any, I'm not a big announcer criticizer because as I've mentioned a bunch of times, that gig is so much harder than people want to make it out to be or have an understanding of what it actually is. But don't just fly in some hired gun at the end of the year. I don't get that. Yeah. yeah look, this isn't hard, but 
um, Tom Hart, KP, and Chris Burke together and put Monaco, Ben McDonald, and I don't know, somebody else together, or just do those two. Like, like that's the best five that announced college baseball. Just just let them do that. Um, Carl Ravitch uh, called a walk-off home run for Oral Roberts um, when it was – In the, the top, top of the, the inning. Ninth. Yeah, that was really cool. So I was well, he was trying to make history. I don't think it worked out because the game continued, but they would have been the first away team to hit a walk-off, I think, in modern <laughs> baseball history. Uh, yeah, that would have been a good point. That that would be history to to his uh, defense. It would be history if a uh, away team walked off somebody in the top of the ninth inning. Um, that really frustrated me when you've got guys that are really good college baseball announcers at you know at the house, and he's he's doing that. I don't really get it either. I don't even know where I was going with that. But to kind of circle it back to the draft for just a second, one of the things I noticed in the mock drafts across the board. And look, I think it's it varies year by year some, but in a lot of the top prospect or they're not prospects yet, but a lot of like whether it's a mock draft or dudes just ranking who they think the best players are in the draft, a lot of college flavor. I, it feels like less and less high school, and I don't know if that's a trend. I know that college baseball is growing and more guys are going the college route, but have you noticed the same thing? It just feels like a lot of college dudes throughout the first couple of rounds course you're going to have your high school freaks mixed in yeah. there as well it just doesn't feel as prominent as it did maybe six seven years ago so it's it's twofold um especially today uh the quickest the quickest path to playing major league baseball is is to play college baseball it's been proven is what it is uh, if you want a million dollars you know out of high school uh then, then, then go get your million dollars but if you want to play college or in the major league the the uh statistics and percentages say the best path is to go to college too um, and I also thing, you know, look, if all right, I'll ask you, okay, if you're caught, if you have the opportunity, you know, 17 year old Brian Rippey, you throw you right or left handed. I'm left handed. So you only got to throw like 94 and you're going to be a high draft pick. Um, you throw 94 miles an hour. Okay. Um, and say the, the, you know, Atlanta Braves offer you $700,000. Okay. Uh, to be their third-round pick. But the Ole Miss Rebels or the Mississippi State Bulldogs or the Vanderbilt Commodores, whoever, offers you, I don't know, $500,000, you know, or four hundred. It's a little less, right? But the reality is you could probably get more in three, in three years. Um, and you get to live and go to college and not drive on a bus through Montana when it's cold. Um which and one play are you in cool do? stadiums where it's places yeah. that care about it, and there's more and more of those too. That where you're like kind of a celebrity on campus and stuff like that. Yeah. So like, yeah, you're making a little bit less money, but you may make that up here in a few years, and your lifestyle is a lot better. Um, I think that's part of it. I, I think I think we'd be naive to to dismiss NIL with with some of these kids turning down co- uh, major league money. We'll get back to Colin Brister in just a second, but before we did, I wanted to take a quick break to remind you. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked at the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Football season will be here before you know it. Go ahead and sign up for Skybox Sports Picks, college football, and NFL picks. All you have to do is go to skyboxsportspicks.com. You can try it for a day, a week, a month, 
You can go season-long, all sports, sports-centric. I'd recommend just get the year-long total access package. It's going to save you money in the long run. They're the only way to profit in the long run. Don't lose money this football season by thinking you can just go off your own lanes in your own brain. Skybox Sports Picks goes by the math. They are the professionals. They hit and make money consistently every single year. If you're into sports wagering, just do yourself a favor. Go to skyboxsportspicks.com. Go find a picks package. Use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E. That'll get you 20% off. They'll email you the picks in a nice color-coded spreadsheet by unit, and boom, you're more equipped to profit than you were trying than you were you were before trying Skybox. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue. Go see Greg. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, that's rippywrights.substack.com. You get free newsletter from me and discounted meats. Right now, it's three six-ounce bacon-wrapped fillets for 20 bucks. Just go in and show Greg proof of subscription, and boom, that'll get you covered. Go find all your own favorites once you get set up there. It's prime grilling season. The weather's great outside. Enjoy the summer. Throw something awesome on the grill. LB's is the best butcher shop in the world. Check them out, LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, back to Colin Brister. Yeah, it's, what's funny is, and again, it, it would be naive to like think that everyone's mindset at that age is the same as mine. I was very lucky. Sure. I really like longed for a whole lot. I grew up in a good neighborhood, went to a good school. Like I realized I'm not really like the, you know, average Joe Schmo um, when it comes to just kind of your average, just American childhood experience. I've fully realized that, but there's part of me who would probably, it would be easier for me to turn down. I think you said $700,000 at 18 sure. Instead of 24, when I'm two years in the working world, and I was like, I think I'd commit a felony for $700,000 <laughs> right now. Like, it's like the childish aspect of the you not really realizing how much money that actually is would almost yeah. make it easier for me to turn it down at 17 or 18 versus at like 22. I'd be like, I will literally smuggle drugs across the border for 700K. <laughs> Maybe that's a little extreme, but you get my point. FBI, I just want to be very clear on who said that. Oh, uh, but no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so speaking of drugs, um, well, this doesn't actually pertain to drugs, but I, I, I have to take drug tests now because now I am qualified to drive a bus of children. Do you know how scary that is? Is that a special driver's license? Do you have to get a CDL yeah. or anything yeah, like that? To, or is it just yeah, drug go, tested? I, that, that seems no, wise. I'm you, glad they have that policy in place. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I had to go past like three tests at the DMV. Um, um, I'm not going to say which DMV, but if I never have to step foot in a DMV ever again, uh, my life will be infinitely better. But yeah, I had to go past three tests at the uh, at the DMV, and then I have to go drive the bus. I have a I have what's called a permit right now. So um, yeah, but anyways, yeah, it's it's. It's NIL is playing a significant factor in this. Um, there's there's no doubt about it, and and I'm interested to see where the market and where the bubble pops as far as NIL goes, especially sure. in college baseball. I never thought we would we would get to the point where like this was a significant thing within the sport, but it certainly is. And it was trending this way before NIL. I would just say NIL has made it even more extreme, like in that direction. Sure, and so. Sure. I'm curious to see what the future of that goes as well. Uh, speaking of the DMV, yeah, not a big fan of those. Um, the, the DMV, uh, apologies to any listeners out there who work at a DMV or just the general DMV community. Sure. When you want to talk about a number one seed of an industry where we're like, we do not give a shit about our jobs, 
We do not care how long it takes you to get in and out of here. You are on our time, pal, and you're going to suffer with this. The lack of enthusiasm that I have with my job, I want you to feel that when I walk out of here. Like So that I, is- went to, I actually went to two DMVs. Um, the first one, um, I'll never step foot in again. The second one, I'll just say it was in Starkville, and they actually did their job well. Um, the one that I – yeah, the one I went to, and I'm not going to name the place, it's like I'm not sure how this place operates at all, ever. Like, I don't, I don't know why, like, we're, we are wasting money operating this place. I literally sat in a chair for two hours with three people in there waiting to take a test because they couldn't figure out how to get it to load. And they're like, oh, it'll just take another five minutes. And I'm like, if it's not going to take five minutes, just let me know. I'll go home. But they're like, no, it's fine. And then it was 15, they 15 minutes me for two hours. And then I wasn't able to take the test. I was not a happy human being. That is brutal. I remember one time I was trying to go get like a replacement license. It was on a Friday. I want to say it was like into a holiday weekend. So I was. Oh, to- you went on a Friday to a DMV. That's on you. Yeah, exactly. And like you know, I I learned my lesson after that. But what was I think it was like into a holiday weekend or something where I remember calling ahead, just being like, hopefully that online hours are accurate, and. They're like, well, yeah, but it was basically, I was like, are y'all open till five or whatever? Like, am I still good to come? It's like three forty-five, And they're like, well, yeah, but don't. Cause we're, we're heading out. I was like, but the hours say five. So are you saying yeah, you're closing early for the holidays? They're like, no, no, no. But like, we won't be open when you get here. So I'm like, so you're just taking <laughs> off. The lady was like, yeah, pretty much. So, you know. At least she let you know. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's true, but it's like, she was just perfectly okay with the fact that it's like, I know what it says. I know how long we're supposed to be working. <laughs> I don't care. But actually, we will not be. I'm just warning you. We will, we will not be here. And like, again, I guess we make this a mini DMV corner. The only thing I I find some conspiracy, government conspiracy theories fascinating. I find others outlandish, but I like exploring them. I'm not a conspiracy sure. theory by imagination. But the probably the thing that makes me the most, have the least amount of faith in conspiracy theories is just looking at a DMV and be like, look how hard it is for them to get me a driver's license. But you're telling me that the government also has all these elaborate schemes to cover up things. <laughs> like how do those two jive? It's like, like, wait a I can't get a driver's license <laughs> without any sort of regularity, but don't worry when it comes to the deep dark secrets of the state, they they're on the up and up. I just, I don't get how that jives. The government sense. runs both of these. Yeah. God, that's a fair. I never thought of it like that. But that's a really fair point. It's like what? Like these are the conspiracy theories? Because I'm pretty sure this guy hadn't had ten thoughts path through his head the entire time I've been in this DMV. So anyway, not to uh, malign the DMV community, just frustrating place to be that no one wants to go. Um, I want to get to the old Miss piece of it. Uh, sure. For the draft, we'll start with the college guys. I know we covered a little bit of this last time, but I've seen Jacob Gonzalez mocked as high as number five to the twins. And, you know, I'm not the biggest. I, I don't predict where dudes will go, particularly in the MLB draft very well at all. I'm not that well sourced by any stretch of the imagination in the scouting community. But I would have thought like 12 months ago, if you'd have told me over under Gonzalez is like pick eight or nine and a half, I'd have been like, ah, oh, probably over, but not much over where I would now hammer the under on that. This feels like his stock has really trended in the correct direction over the last couple of months. Yeah, it does. It certainly feels like that. Um, I, I, and I think it's right. I think the 
and and this is the interesting part of this. I think the guy, I think he's going to stick at shortstop. I really do. Um, which Jason and I had this debate for, last time. Why do you think that? I, I just, man, I think over three years he's proven that he's he he can play at a, at a high level in the SEC. Um, I think I just I think he's going to swing it. Let's put it like this. I think his numbers offensively are going to translate to shortstop, if that makes sense. I don't necessarily think that the power is going to be there to play third base. I think if he's going to be the prospect that everybody wants and thinks he's going to be, um, he's going to have to play shortstop. And and I think if he's getting drafted that high um, based on what I think his power numbers will be in the major league, I think that means they're projecting that he is going to be a shortstop. I mean, if look, I, I think he's every bit as good as Gray Kessinger. And Gray starts at shortstop some days for the Houston Astros. Hit his first home run yesterday. I, I, I certainly think that, you know, unless he goes to a team where he's just stuck behind an elite shortstop, I think his, his path is certainly to play shortstop in the major league level. That's fair. I don't know how I feel about it. I guess some of it is system dependent because, like, if they don't have a better option at shortstop, okay. But, sure. like, you know, if they have a pretty good shortstop that's better defensively, obviously you could see him at second base. I've thought about that a decent bit over the last couple of days. I was actually on the way. Oh, that's interesting. Do you think he? You think he's more of a second baseman than third baseman? Well, I just think the the power at third base, as you mentioned, it's like, does he actually hit the ball over the fence enough to justify being a major league third baseman? Could you not? Fair. Would you think second or third's more likely? I think his best defensive position of those two. Um, I think you would – well, now yeah, you mentioned the power. I don't know. Um, I, I guess I've just always con- had the thought that he's going to stick at shortstop. You know, that was a thing when he came into Ole Miss was, yeah. like, it, is he going to stay at shortstop? And, and he obviously did um, because there were some that believed that T.J. McCants, when he got here, was the better defensive shortstop. I never really bought into that. Because I'm like, if he's the better shortstop, why is he not playing shortstop? But, right. um, you know, um, so, but no, I, 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 I've just always, I've never really considered whether he'd be best at second or third because I've just kind of always, you know, believed that he he's gonna he's gonna stick where he's at. I was actually driving yesterday to the place we, uh, the friend's house. We went to have dinner. Uh, my one of my close friends. <laughs> Uh, married Anna Kessinger, Gray's cousin. And so the home run mm-hmm. happened as we were like driving over there. And I texted him the highlight and I was like, I don't know why the hell I'm texting him this. I know they have this baseball game on. And sure enough, it was on <laughs> out there. So that was a cool moment for sure. <laughs> that um, is cool. That was cool. I was glad to see Gray do that. You know, it doesn't sound like the way he was called up that he's probably going to stick for the rest of the year. And that's not really a knock on him. But it has been cool with, you know, some of the injuries the Astros have had and, the fact that he's kind of been up and been up for about three weeks now, this has just been very cool to see. And uh, I hope he ends up turning it into a long-term career, but it's, uh, I don't know, just cool to see someone you kind of knew covered kind of actually get to the big league level, particularly the family that has a quite the history of it. I was very happy to see him hit the bomb yesterday. I thought that was badass. Yeah, that was cool. Um, um, so let's uh bouncing around a little bit the, on the, I don't want to spend a ton of time on the college side. Cause I just don't find a ton of it that fascinating. The only other note I really had on that is it seems like Kemp Alderman's really helped himself at these showcases and stuff. He 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 feels like a second rounder now. And given the season that he had, you know, which is kind of kind of getting lost in history because of how bad the team was, like you gotta be a dude to just kind of hit your way into a major league roster without really having much of a position. But I don't know how to grade him defensively. I'll put it to you this way. 
He looked more natural to me in the outfield than Thomas Dillard ever did. And I don't really think that's much of a knock yeah. on Thomas Dillard. But, like, it didn't feel like that much of a liability. And, my God, can the guy hit. I could see why when they get in the baseball version of the Underwear Olympics that they're like, good <laughs> Lord, who is this dude? Yeah, so the the thing that really helped Kemp, and not that, that Dillard didn't, but obviously the the, the guy pitched in, in college baseball. Not much, but he, he got on the mound and threw. So his arm is going to translate to, to pro baseball. I mean, it's 95-plus it's off the mound. Um, so, you know, it, it's yes, he, he looks more um, fluid out there in, in the outfield. Um, I – Look, Kyle Schwarber plays defense in, in the major leagues. Not well, but he plays it. Um, and I'm not saying he's Kyle Schwarber as a hitter. Um, but that's the and, example and that's correct to use because you have to hit a ton to be a Kyle Schwarber. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's, Kyle Schwarber's terrible in left field, and he gets to play it because he hits like crazy. So if you hit enough, I guess my point is it doesn't really matter if you can't play the field well. Um, and now every – look, every – you know, everybody has the DH now. So – um, you can do whatever. It's uh no, I I certainly think Kemp will go uh I think he's top sixty five, seventy ish picks. I don't think he gets out of the the second or third round. What do you make of the Calvin Harris being in kind of the fifth round range? You know, he was a very highly touted kid when he set foot yeah. on campus. Um I didn't think the defense and receiving was great this year. I don't know how much of that was post injury that he had his freshman year. But my God, talk about a dude that continued to hit and hit and hit. Being a fifth round draft pick, it's like I wouldn't find that utterly shocking. I just I don't know. When Calvin Harris got to Ole Miss, if you'd have been like, where does he get drafted first three rounds or over first three rounds? I'd have probably gone in the first three rounds. But it just doesn't seem like it panned out that way. So, just putting this out there, um, and, and I'm not speaking from a Calvin Harris uh, perspective. Just talking in general. The slot value for the first pick in the uh, fifth round is $464,000, right? Oh, yeah. Are you and about I don't, to go there? Look, I'm just – I'm not saying Ole Miss can do this because I don't know what Ole Miss's NIL looks like. But I'm wondering if a team like LSU that I know has an absurd amount of NIL money ever just looks at – like I don't know what round like Trey Morgan is is destined to be drafted. I think he's probably higher. But, like, I, I wonder if we get to a point where if guys or teams are just like, hey, uh, we'll actually just pay you what you're going to get signing bonus-wise to come back. Um, and, and and I don't necessarily think Ole Miss can do that. I don't I don't think they've got that kind of resources. Maybe I'm wrong. Again, I don't know. I'm just, just assuming. Um, but I wonder if we get to a point where guys like Calvin Harris, if, you know, they're at a LSU or, or somewhere that has an absurd amount of uh, – money turned down the MLB draft to to go back because the uh, team is matching it, matching them NIL wise. I think you'll probably see some of that because when you talk about it, like he's a leverage year, you go after a junior year because you have leverage. Well, what sure. is that leverage primarily rooted in? Money. Exactly. And so yeah. if the, if you, if you have colleges and that are able to pay you somewhat comparatively or even less, because let's be completely honest, playing college baseball is a hell of a lot more fun than playing minor league mm -hmm. baseball. So even if they offer a little bit less, you know, it's going to be there, you know, you'll have fun. And then, you know, the next year it's like, okay, I can still give this a run. Like the, my odds of making the major leagues are not really that drastically affected by one more year of college baseball. And I'm not missing out on a ton of money. Like, hell yeah. Why don't I just go back? I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of that. I, I think that almost yeah. seems inevitable to me. Yeah, so I'm not suggesting that happens with Calvin Harris at all, but I just I, when you said fifth round, I was curious what what the number was, so I went and looked. 
Um, I would have guessed about like, a half million bucks. Yeah, and that's that's essentially what it is, and that's probably too much to pay for somebody um, to come back for for one more year. But um, I am interested in teams that have an inordinate NIL pool like like LSU does, um, if they're able to do that. I've got another question. Um, you think teams at some point? And I'm t- this is, this goes across all sports, really. The the big three. You think they essentially hire a general manager at some point to to dish out money? Like it, it feels like, and I'm not saying that these guys like Chris Beard and Mike Bianco and Lane Kiffin can't do this, but if I'm them, I'm like not wanting to fi- have to worry about who's getting how much money and and all of that. Like I'm going to hire somebody to that runs the financial component of this, and I know that sounds like pro sports in a way, but it's essentially what it's turned into. Well, we're living in an era where there's pro sports with no actual rules or restrictions. But honestly, it's it not even easier. pro sports. But you're describing uh. Walker Jones's role, but sports specific, where the coach hires it by program. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, because like, you you know, I mean, you have to. I'm sure you have to tell these guys how much they're going to get. Um, like you know, just hypothetically, you tell, uh, you know, a football crew, hey, you're getting two fifty k to come here. Well, what if you don't have two fifty k? You know what I mean? Um, so I, I just I would get tired of having to deal with you know how much money I'm giving player X and would let somebody else handle that. Is that, is that essentially, and forgive my ignorance, is that essentially what Walker Jones does? Well, yeah, but I don't think he, what I think you're getting more at is the basically having a uh, salary cap manager for each individual sport. And like, again, I don't know the exactly what Walker Jones does on a daily basis. I don't mean that as a knock. I just don't pretend to know what his actual day-to-day job is. I don't think he's managing like, salary caps of each of the three programs but essentially what he does is kind of the full-time god of the collective is i mean he he's one of the few people that actually knows how much money they have and where they can spend it and what's allotted to each sport so he's kind of that but if you're to your point if he continues on this trajectory it would seem smart to have a guy that a coach hires to kind of manage that from a sport to sport perspective maybe you have these dudes kind of not report but also work with walker jones where it's like they're kind of managing your program's budget where Walker's over the head of the entire thing. I don't know. The whole thing's fascinating. I just, I just find the entire mental picture of Mike Bianco hiring some economics major nerd from Yale (laughs) to manage the money that's being given to his players. I just figure his head would explode before he'd be cool with that. And this is how you answer the phone and transfer it to voicemail. No, I'm sorry. I shouldn't do that. (laughs) And analytics sorry. guy's really grown into his own. Sorry. The, uh, sorry. But it is fascinating to think about. Outside of that, not a ton else on the uh, draft front that's going to become a, diff- a surprise. I just think the one major thing, and Chase and I have talked about it a little bit, um, Xavier Rivas will be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Yeah. It would be a huge boost if they can get him back next year. I don't pretend to know what his mindset is. I don't pretend to know what he currently believes. Um, but – that would be one just to monitor. I don't really have a ton of other thoughts on that. He mentioned, I did a pod with him last week that was surprising to me where I was talking about like dudes who are potentially important next year and kind of you give me his numbers and I can maybe tell you how the team did that kind of exercise. He's of the belief that Josh Mallett wants to move on to professional baseball. What are your thoughts there? Oof, that's a hit to Ole Miss. If, that if is that a huge to come hit. To fruition. Yeah. Um, wow. You, you certainly hope that, uh, you know, if you're Ole Miss – how do I say this discreetly? If he wants to go to pro baseball, I'm not sure 
I'm not sure you can buy him out of his uh, willingness to do that, if that 100%. makes sense. Um, so I just, you know, if that's what he wants to do, it's it's kind of just up to him. If, you know, he gets a free agent deal and wants to go, I'm not sure uh, that, that, you know, you can you can buy everybody out of, of the want to go play pro baseball. So, um, and, and, you know, obviously Chase has, has alluded to this. I don't think it's anything uh, – like I saw someone – ask you know like if he doesn't is he gonna get in the portal no I, I don't think it's anything against the Ole Miss coaching staff I think the I think he may just want to go play professional baseball um I think which, it's just know, partially the fact that I mean Chase alluded it too is like he had this weird injury a weird timing he's already won a national title like yeah, yeah. maybe he goes through years a weekend starter but there's just I'd feel I, I would be understandable if he has the viewpoint of what else do I have to accomplish yeah so um yeah I I uh I don't know. I, I think it's going to be think it's going to be interesting with him. He he certainly is a key cog to the Ole Miss pitching rotation. If uh, if you know uh, he he was to return, so obviously you hope if you're Ole Miss that um, he returns and and that, that 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 he's on campus next year. High school wise, Cooper Pratt's probably the main one to keep yeah. an eye on. Um, as far as Ole Miss goes, uh, for high school guys, they got the currently the number six ranked class in the country. We'll kind of see how that ends up taking a hit. I threw out an idea to Chase a couple weeks ago about, like, this doesn't seem like Ole Miss is going to have a ton of, like, draft attrition than they had in years past. But now the more and more I looked into it, I was like, that's probably actually not the case at all. The opposite of the case, what do you kind of make of the guys they come in in high school-wise, the chances to sign, and what that class will ultimately look like post-draft? So, um, you know, it's obviously Smithwick. Uh, the, the the feeling, I believe, is that he's going to show um, – is it Muith? I believe they they think it's going to sign, um, and then there's another pitcher that's essentially already gone. Yeah, Cooper Pratt's going to be an interesting one because if he 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 does show, I think he's your shortstop. Uh, I don't have any insight on this. I, I you know obviously I hope I hope the kid shows at Ole Miss. Um, be interested to see how they manage that from an NFL perspective. Um, seems like Ole Miss hasn't had good luck recently with the draft after the Kessinger year, so. Um, you know, with with losing, you know, Job two years ago, and then lost Ferris and Anthony this this last year. Uh, boy, Roman Anthony would have helped his team. Um, you know, it's uh, not had good luck with the draft. So obviously, you, you know, it's a it's a shame that the two guys that 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 they've signed from a pitching perspective. Um, you know, Laugh takes some heat, but I'll tell you this: uh, he he does a really good job of uh, identifying guys early. Uh, because because uh, Muith and the other guy, uh, I, know, I cannot recall his name, um, were not, you know, they weren't always high draft guys, and, and, and Laugh was on them early. Um, he does a really, really good job with that. So, um, unfortunate for those two that, that are not going to be able to sign, but I, not not be able to show, but obviously Cooper Pratt is the one that's going to be interesting. Um, you know, it feels like if he's first or second round, he's gone, and if, if you get past that, 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 that he'll show at Ole Miss next year. Josh Noth is the other one that you're talking about. Noth, yeah. And what's interesting with him, both of those, I'm hoping I'm saying Noth right. And then Mui, I mean, we talk about Mike just loving to have dudes where it's like, how do you actually say your name? Um, still, the pipeline's still strong there. That's a dude that throws 98 or so, a pretty good breaking ball. It doesn't sound like he's going to, like, doesn't sound like things look good for him to show, but that's to me in some way significant just because Ole Miss haven't had a lot of dudes that profile like him uh, really be on the recruiting radar or show up to campus through the years. Yeah, yeah. So uh, 
kind of unfortunate for sure, but you know, he would, he would certainly help the Ole Miss Rebels next year. If he somehow was to show, I don't believe he's in summer school. I don't think he is either, but I'll double check on that. So I don't know. You could have a drastically different class. What have you thought of the portal edition so far? I know we kind of covered it a little bit last time, but what I'll frame it this way. One of the things that's interesting to me is this will be a non-typical Mike Bianco roster guessing year in some ways, because yeah. obviously they get the D2 kid out of Florida, but how many years in the Mike Bianco era have you gone into a year where you're like, I'm not actually sure who the next shortstop or the next catcher is that that doesn't really happen very often. Well, um, but you kind of do though, don't you? Like, it, it's it's Urso if if Pratt doesn't show and it's right. it's Smithwick behind the plate. Um, now Smith Smithwick goes pro and buddy you are in. I don't think that's likely, obviously, but buddy something crazy happens and whew, you were up a creek then. Um, but it, it here's my question: What happens if Pratt goes pro? Who's the backup shortstop? That's that's I my question. Literally could I, not answer that. Quite, I have no clue. I mean, I don't feel like it's probably a great idea to have one person on your roster that can play shortstop. Um, That's probably actually what I meant is like, yeah, you kind of know who it will be. But like in past times, and I get that the way the recruiting dynamic has just changed with the portal and NIL and all the things we just discussed. But even like non-draft dependent, you knew the contingency plan if X guy we're talking about didn't show up. You know what I mean? Where that doesn't feel like the case this year. Yeah. Um, So – Going to be interesting there. You obviously, Ole Miss is praying that that Cooper Pratt shows up on campus because I, I, he he's special, man. He is going to be a very very good player um, if he goes to college, and and I think obviously if he goes pro, he's he's going to be special as well. And, and I think he'll play in Major League Baseball. But obviously, if you're Ole Miss, you you hope those three years, the next three years or two years. I'm I'm not sure if he's a two year or three year guy. Um, you you hope they're in a Rebel uniform. Absolutely. Um, I don't really have much else on the draft. The last thing I wanted to get to before I let you get out of here, we uh we had an all timer um of a take that resulted from a Tennessee drama transfer portal situation. So Chase Burns is in the portal. Oh god. Sounds like him being moved out of the rotation didn't really sit well with him. Sounds like he turned down a, a healthy amount of money to return to Tennessee. And it was just kind of one of those maybe the bridge is burned here or this relationship yeah. just can't continue. I don't really know. Don't really have a ton of insight on it either way. But it it led to a Hall of Fame take from uh, our good friend Wes Rucker, who complained about the fact that it rains in Starkville, uh, or excuse me, in Hattiesburg, among other things. Um, he said this situation is – I wish I – crap, I can't find the tweet. But basically this situation is tough because – Chase Burns doesn't need Tennessee because he'll probably be a first-round draft pick, but also Tennessee doesn't need him because they recruit at such a high level. So Tennessee's now recruiting at such a high level. They do not need first-rounders. So congrats to them on that. What thoughts there? I mean, I guess I guess I'm just saying the obvious out loud. They don't need first-rounders anymore. They have won one game in the College World Series in 22 years. And that the, the people around that program act like they matter it is it is it is amazing to me they they have won one game in the state of nebraska i guess i shouldn't say that they have won one game in in omaha in the last 22 years and they refer to themselves as a dynasty um well think about all they've done for the game 
Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's fair. Because two years ago in 2022, I guess it was technically only about a year and a month ago. That was the uh, first year of college baseball. Yeah, it is true. They got the entire country to root for Notre Dame. They did. They got that is actually very impressive. That's a great way to put it. (laughs) They got the entire country to say, you know what? Notre Dame's actually the good guys here. That's what they did. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, God, I hate that team. I hate that program so much. Do you know how impressive it is? So, like, if you had asked me five years ago, hey, Colin, you know, who's your most disliked SEC baseball team? And, like, I'm going to exclude Mississippi State because I'm an Ole Miss fan, the rivalry Mississippi State, obviously. Vanderbilt. That. Yeah, it's Vanderbilt. Dude, they're like six now. (laughs) And they they lost the national title series to Mississippi State, and they're sixth. They just kept falling. And they pissed me off in 2021. Um, you know, like Arkansas, LSU, Tennessee, and Florida have, have put in yeoman's work. Yeoman's work. Like, geez. Um, it's they they just kept falling down the radar. So uh congrats to the doors. They're like sixth or seventh now for me. We uh actually as we record this, I realized I got a tweet today from a follower and presumably a listener. Uh I don't think this is his birth name, but this is just his name on Twitter, Tombstone Frank. I don't okay. really know what that means. You don't think that's on the birth certificate? No, because it's a photo of Pete Golding. Uh, looks okay. appears to be in the avatar. But uh, we do have boots on the ground following our uh, Lord and Savior. He said, Tony Vitello is on the same plane as me. I think instead of Atlanta, we may be headed to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was that's pretty good. good. That's pretty good. I hope Tombstone Frank thanked him for everything he's done and thanked him for for even just having the ability to fly on a plane today. Did he fly the plane? Uh, I'll ask him. I I haven't reported back. I never even really thought about it that way, but I I wouldn't. I mean, if I saw Coach Fatillo on a plane and it was between there and a couple of pilots, I'd be like, give Coach the sticks. Like, you pilots can sit this one out. (laughs) I feel much safer with this man in control. Yes. So um, that's probably a perfect way to wrap things up here. Coach Patello, pilot, world traveler, and conqueror. I appreciate the time as always, my man. And uh, we'll holler at you again as uh, I guess baseball season gets closer. All right. Sounds good, my man. All right. That'll do it for our show today. Appreciate Colin's time as always. Thanks as always to you for listening to this podcast. Coming up down the pipe, I've got Corn Ferry Tour player, buddy of mine, Wilson Furr, who is uh, right on the cusp of getting a PGA tour card. We talked about his journey and career in professional golf, some of the struggles uh, that come with trying to make it onto the PGA tour, a wild story uh, about a shuttle penalty that almost changed the entire trajectory of his career earlier this year and a whole lot more. So I think you'll really enjoy that. Probably drop that at some point this weekend as uh, this month of July will be a little bit more erratic before we get back into kind of the routine and regular schedule of football season. So be on the lookout for that. Got some stuff coming your way next week as well. Thanks as always for listening and have a wonderful weekend.